1: Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Team Podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, uh, worshiper of Nikhil Harry, friends with the Oracle, constant doubter of Alvin Kamara, and would kindly like you to wear a face mask so we can all watch Cam Newton remind us just how good he is, your humble host, Pete Rogers. And I am joined by... All of the guys, we have the duck father recovering Texans fan DK Metcalf's number one admirer, the man formerly known as Steve Timberland, resident old man Clark Barnes, El Saboteur, the captain of the Buccaneers bandwagon, proud father of Quentin Nelson, Scotty Miller fanboy, uh, the coach whisperer, wine sipperer, Will Dislier, working girl Jordan Smith. And finally, fantasy football premier internet doctor, the number two Walter Sobchak, but number one Tarzan, fan of what scientists lovingly call, quote, facts, uh, thinks your favorite team is run by donkeys, ginger-mustached man, Nick Butterford. Guys, how are we doing today? Great. Doing great, Top Pete. You.
0: How are you doing?
1: I am doing well. Bert, Becca, and I made it safely back from Wisconsin. So it was a successful week, uh, hanging out at the cabin and, um, Bert getting acclimated to, uh, to swimming and having water. Well, uh, always available to him. Um, yeah, yeah, it was great. It was a lovely time. Lovely time. We, uh, peeling off the curtain that covers the piano. We are, we want to make sure that we finish up these divisional previews for you guys since the NFL season is starting in like two weeks, three weeks, which is kind of crazy. Um, And we know fantasy drafts are probably starting to gear up. I know one of my leagues we're going to be drafting pretty soon. So we want to make sure we get these uh, divisional previews out to you in a timely manner. So for the first time ever, you're about to get RB1 podcast all up in your ears four times this week. Uh, We are going to drop the AFC North today, being Tuesday. Uh, And then we're coming out with the NFC South. And then we will go into the NFC for the rest of the week. Because of that, uh, we are going to be, you know, a little, little more timely. Little uh, We're going to knock these things out. So mm, don't expect a large news segment or maybe any news segment uh, because uh, we want to get to the actual action and where the actual what well, you have actually come to hear, uh, which is me rambling and then eventually getting into the football talk. Because, I mean, what, what else is new for the podcast? So let's take my own advice and let's jump right into the AFC North. And let's start with our first category, uh, for the breakdown. And that is the trustworthy elites. There's no one more trustworthy than the elites. Waiter. I ordered the 89 shut not the 99. And now these are guys who are going in the first two rounds, first 30 picks really, um, who we all think that, or we think is a player going in that area who is worth their ADP. They will live up to that price that you are going to have to pay to get them. Uh, Clark, why don't we start with you who in the a- AFC North are you willing to pay that price for?
3: So this is going to be a little contrarian to what all of the smart guys who write about fantasy football say, uh, Lamar Jackson is outscoring the next best person who plays his position last year by 6.7 points in ESPN scoring. There is no person at any position outscoring the number two person on a points per game basis by that margin. And so while for the past several years uh, outside of Patrick Mahomes, we haven't had anybody really dominate the quarterback position. Like we saw at Jackson last year. uh, It was a really good idea to wait and just pick one of, 14 guys who are probably going to get you 15 to 20 some odd points in any given week. This is a great year to jump up and take Lamar Jackson anywhere after the top five running backs are off the board.
0: Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be the, probably lone to here, a little foreshadowing. I can't imagine picking a quarterback before like round five, but we talked about these guys on the strength of schedule episode. Lamar Jackson does have an awesome 2020 set up for him. So I get the hype, but too early for me.
1: He's going, he's going, uh, what 20th overall, according to, uh, to fantasy pros ADP. And that is, it is super early, but if I were going quarterback early, I would rather have Lamar Jackson over Patrick Mahomes. I have more faith in Lamar, both his passing, uh, or I don't have more faith in Lamar's passing, but I have more faith in Lamar's floor as a rusher and, he just doesn't seem they the ravens have kind of seemed how to uh, use him effectively as a rusher without putting him in harm's way he's really good at sliding
2: and avoiding contact um, and so I think that that's something that certainly is is going for him yeah I, I like Lamar Jackson um, you know I wish him success and nothing less. I guess for drafting him as early as he's going it depends on how the rest of the draft is maybe looking for me at that point um just be for the simple fact that he's a quarterback and I generally like to wait a little bit, but I think the Ravens with, I mean, they have Willie Sneed there, but they also have two rookie, or last year rookie wide receivers who are going to be in their second year. So they might take a step forward and uh, start improving in that area. And, you know, it could be maybe a more explosive Ravens offense. Who knows? Nick, why don't you give us your trustworthy elite
1: from the, from the division?
0: Yeah, so this one uh, was uh, kind of a personal challenge for myself. I've never been terribly high on Joe Mixon. I think that he's uh, a good running back, uh, decently athletic. I've uh, questioned his off-field decision making and uh, have wondered if if he, uh, he he's got some like I th- if memory he serves, he's got some low jumps. And I always I I, anyway the, was wondering about his burst. He's proven to be a very talented two-way running back. And uh, to close the twenty nineteen season, we saw the Bengals just pile up work on his plate last four games totaled uh uh, 21 carries was the fewest that he had high was 26 he was targeted uh last four games four three two one times but uh cleared 20 yards in in uh three of them went up to 40 in one of them um and the the offensive staff is is intact going into this year head coach Zach taylor is still there offensive coordinator bill callahan still there they both have said that he plays better as he gets more work in this offseason. Um, I'm not one for the make life easier on a rookie quarterback by giving him less work. I, I, don't, I don't believe that at all. But what the team is indicating is that they're going to feed Joe Mixon in a way that they have not committed to him before. Um, Giovanni Bernard is really not that much of, uh, of a threat to him. Uh, he, he's a decent running back, but he's, he's got the Achilles, <clears throat> excuse me the Achilles thing that will never go away. I think another one of their running backs just went – uh, opted out or or got hurt or something. So the the, the depth chart is um, is not a threat to him. And 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 lastly, the the Cincinnati Bengals per sharp football are facing the seventh softest blend of run defenses and the uh, tenth softest schedule uh, in terms of run defense efficiency. So I I really like the the 2020 season outlook, both workload and uh, the caliber of opponents that Mixon has to go against.
1: And I don't know if you if you said this, Nick. I was doing my research whilst you were talking, so you might have already said this. But during that time frame that I think you were talking about, which was the last five games when they kind of upped Mixon's workload, he also saw a, like on average three targets per game. Um, and so you were seeing that the Bengals were starting to get him maybe a little bit more involved in that pass game. And I just think that, and he showed that he can also make moves in there, like and be and be effective in the pass game. And so I think that with I mean, AJ Green, a little news, was kind of banged up in practice, which is just soul-crushing for me to hear. But hopefully with a healthy AJ Green, with Tyler Boyd, with maybe a healthy John Ross, um, and with Joe Burrow, obviously, under center, like this passing game could be a little more dynamic, and you might see Joe Mixon become a little more involved in that passing game. He is going as the RB, what is he, like nine, I think, or, or even earlier, RB, where is he? RB seven, uh, in half point PPR, which feels like just to me feels rich. But then if I look at the other running backs kind of going after him, I don't necessarily know there are guys who I'd love over him guys immediately following Nick Chubb, who we're going to, I know we're going to talk a lot about on this show, uh, Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs. We've touched on Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake we've touched on. So yeah, I like, I like Joe Mixon a lot. I don't know if I'd quite pay him as an RB seven, but I certainly think he's going to be a top 10 back this year. So.
3: Yeah, and this is why I really like going with the unconventional move of taking some onesies guys earlier this year. Joe Mixon is in a tier of about seven or eight different running backs who have all had promising stretches and have looked good at times. It was feast and famine for Joe Mixon owners last year. He had a great end of the season and he finished as the RB 11 because he absolutely killed you for the first half of the season. When he's given an obscene amount of work, he accumulates good numbers. And he's a relatively talented runner. But this is a, a decent talent on uh, a Bengals organization that hasn't been able to get out of its own way for 30 years with a rookie quarterback. So this is, you know, although I like Joe Mixon as a player and I think that he's good. And, and Nick, you mentioned a lot of good reasons to have faith in him. This is why this year I'm really higher on going with someone like uh, – At the onesie positions early because after those first five running backs you get to a bunch of guys who could be very dominant and have you know several question marks too many question marks for me in the first couple of rounds
2: i i definitely like a player that ends a season on a run which is exactly what joe mixon did he was uh one of the best backs in the league um for like the last month right when you needed him basically of the fantasy season last year um i feel like it's pretty good though that if the Bengals are playing um, a soft run schedule because that offensive line was pretty bad last year. Uh, They were like the fourth worst team in stuffed yards, uh, which is runs that are just stopped at the line of scrimmage or behind it. So hopefully with some more um, consistency on the offensive line, Jonah Williams is going to play actually. So maybe they'll be able to um, congeal a little bit better, Um, but being able to play a, a soft run schedule is great for that. All right.
1: So my trustworthy elite for the AFC North, it's a guy who we've talked a lot about uh and I've talked a lot about. Odell Beckham, there was right at the end of the 2019 season, uh Odell I feel like was being chronically undervalued. Uh and and he was going I don't remember the numbers, but he was going just like stupidly late in drafts. And that has gotten uh, a lot higher recently. <laughs> He's now going as the wide receiver nine, which is a little crushing to me because I wanted, I wanted to kind of sneak in and still get some value for him. Uh, Cause he was going in like the late teens, maybe even like a couple weeks ago. But my point being, I am happily buying him. I am trusting the fact that Kevin Stefanski is going to come in and make this offense actually look serviceable. I mean, you you can't take Freddie kitchen's like garbage offensive offense and Blame Odell for his lack of production in a year where that offense was a mess. Offensive line issues were plaguing Baker all year long, forcing him to kind of be crazy in the pocket. And, uh, and him transitioning and learning that offense and building that continuity with Baker. And even still, like his numbers, I'm looking at them right now, they're not like what we saw in his first three years. They're not terrible. He went over a 1,000 yards, 14 yards per reception, saw 133 targets. His catch rate went down a lot, and that's, I think, the biggest thing. Those 133 targets only became 74 receptions, and he only saw four touchdowns. However, I am fully trusting in the positive regression. We know Kevin Stefanski's offense can put up big wide receiver production we saw with Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. And I think that you're going to see Odell Beckham effortly step into basically both of those guys' role and wildly outproduce what he's currently going as and and be the Odell Beckham we saw in the initial part of his career. He's going, like I said, the wide receiver set uh eight oh sorry nine 27 overall in drafts right between Mike Evans and Allen Robinson I will take him over Mike Evans. I will take him over Allen Robinson. I will take him over Kenny Galladay. Um, I think he is more or less a lock if he stays healthy, which is another if for him, but if he stays healthy and plays you know, at least 14 games, he's a lock as a, as a top five wide receiver for me this year in fantasy.
0: Yeah, um so I I've uh, come around on I well okay starting when when we did the strength of schedule episode uh is when we we kind of started to notice that hey wait a second something's going on here with the Browns. So they've got the third easiest overall schedule. They have the easiest uh, again sharp football uh slate of uh passing efficiency as far as their opponents go and they are so you're uh, number five in terms of the, the past defense blends. So right away, we love what the schedule is. Um, I believe and this is from the, the ETR free podcast they've been doing all offseason. I think Beckham was still like top five in air yards on the season. It just didn't result in, in box score success. Um, but I think what we should like the most here is uh, the system and the opportunity uh, Kevin Stefanski, as you said, he uh, well. So one, he's big on play action. Baker Mayfield, his play action and on play action splits are are uh, drastic. He's he's very good in play action. Uh, similarly, he's very good in twelve personnel. Kevin Stefanski, his favorite personnel grouping is twelve personnel. What that's going to bring. It's is almost just as if w- the
1: Browns made a good quarterback or a good
0: coaching hire. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, uh, so what that means is there's going to be two wide receivers on the field. Currently, it's going to be Odell Beckham Jr. And then hopefully Jarvis Landry. But Landry is, is still in the middle of recovering from uh, 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 hip surgery. He's looked uh, – the, the recovery is going very well. But it's going to be a very tight window for him to even be ready for week one. That's ignoring his ability to participate in training camp and all that kind of stuff. So I think to start the season, Odo Beckham Jr. is going to have a very big target market share, Uh, finally in an offense that both he can excel in, sort of in the Stephon Diggs downfield role, which is high value targets, and in an offense where Baker Mayfield is also set up for success.
1: I saved Jordan's uh, trustworthy elite for last because I want to segue it into I've rearranged the order. We're going to do players were not drafting after trustworthy elites, and I wanted to touch immediately touch on Jordan's uh, player after he started talking because he is not someone I want to draft. But Jordan, pitch me as to why you are, have supreme
2: confidence in Nick Chubb. Well, I, I wanted to wait to weigh in on the Browns offense because I think it ties in directly why I still think Nick Chubb is an elite running back. Um, last season he only really got 18 and a half carries per game um, which is still uh, it's not as much as like some of the other bell cows in the league but it was still enough for him to eat and I think in a situation like Cleveland having a rested Nick Chubb is the best scenario because the dude is just a home run hitter like he wants to um, make the big play and he often does Um, so with the With Stefanski being hired, the Vikings who ran a lot of 12 and 21 personnel last year, uh, the most in the league in terms of 12 personnel, I believe, out of anybody. And I I think that just with the way this roster is set up, they're already better suited to run um, this type of offense with the tight ends, um, keeping in Joku, bringing in Hooper uh, with the backfield, uh, Dalvin Cook. Nick Chubb cream hunt you can argue about which running back out of those three might be the best one but uh, one backfield has two of them and one only and the other one only had one of them Um, so I I also like the offensive line a little bit better just because they brought in some pieces um, and I think they're better suited to run this sort of big multiple offense that they ran in Minnesota last year Um, and the Vikings only used uh, three wide receiver sets 25 percent of the time last year which is extremely low so uh, the lowest in the league which feeds well into the Odell Beckham stock because he's not gonna have to worry about sharing wide receiver targets with anybody except maybe Jarvis Landry um and getting Nick Chubb uh he wasn't necessarily a uh sub him off the field to go into a passing set type of running back but he um does most of his work on the ground. And I, I still think that him being able to get the maybe lower end of touches than you'd expect. He's still able to get uh, high top 10 running back output out of him.
3: Yeah. I won't wax poetic about Nick Chubb too much. The only knock against Chubb is that cream hunt is there. Also, I feel like that's not going to be a huge problem. Chubb is extremely good. And I think that this offense is going to run the ball enough more than enough for Chubb to get uh, 10 or 13 to 18 touches a game, even with Kareem Hunt still getting something like seven or eight. A lot of what the Kubia Shanahan system likes to do is get the <laughs> running back involved in everything. You run what looks like the same play over and over and over, and you do wildly different things with them. And it's why Jimmy Garoppolo looks like he's good at playing quarterback. It's why Matt Schaub had so much success in Houston. And so it's why Odell Beckham and, uh, Baker Mayfield might have so much success here too, um, but with a back like Chubb, he can really make that thing run. Uh, Hunt, God dang, it scares me because he is, he does a lot of the same things that Chubb does. He falls forward, he rushes up the middle. When it's up the middle, he can bounce it to the outside, but I'm fine taking Chubb you know, at that number five pick and just rolling the dice on a player who I think is one of the best players in the league.
0: Um, so yeah, I I don't know if I take Chubb at five, but his uh, half point PBR ADP of uh, 12th overall, I think is a lot more reasonable. I'm still going to be grabbing like Miles Sanders ahead of him. Um, but everything we've touched on so far is, is, uh, speaks to the, the type of ceiling season that he can have. I think he will get around 20 to maybe 22 uh, touches per game. There was a reason that Kareem hunt, when Kareem hunt came back from suspension last year, Chubb's target total per game went from over four to two. It's because Kareem Hunt is an excellent receiving game back. But again, it's the, the Stefanski system. Uh, and, and the fact that Stefanski has made it clear that he trusts his analytics department it indicates to us that he's not going to just have uh, Chubb slam into brick walls on first and second down. He's going to run him more on third and short, fourth and short. He's, they're going to spread the, the field out and, and rush within the red zone. There, he's going to be getting intelligent carries, if that makes sense. Uh, as as a nice little bonus, like we said, they've got the third easiest uh, schedule overall for Sharp football. Uh, run uh, Rush defense blend this year comes in at number eight. So, yeah, I like w- what we have going on here for Nick Chubb. I still, again, think that some of the, the backs that are guaranteed receiving work are perhaps have a higher ceiling overall, but this is about as uh, st- uh, stellar of a, a floor play for a running back one as you can find.
1: All right, we're going to segue into uh, players we are not drafting. Red alert. Red alert. Do not draft this player. Red alert. Red alert. And obviously that I feel like is pretty self-explanatory. And we're doing this because I'm going to talk about Nick Chubb because I am not drafting Nick Chubb anywhere. I agree in, in principle with all of the things that you guys have said. Um, and I do think that there is a very good chance that I will be proven wrong uh, just in the fact that this Browns offense can support both Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and that we're going to see Nick Chubb use more, you know, more intelligently. Uh, But his, just his drop in production from when Kareem Hunt took the field in week 10 is something that I just, I don't, it scares me. It scares me. If you take his, his weeks from week one to nine, and you spread that across all 16 games, if he was playing like that, hundred, 309 attempts for 1600 yards, 11 touchdowns and 48 receptions for 293 yards. So Killing it on the ground, getting all of them touchdowns, and giving you uh, a little bit of extra extra sauce uh, in the passing game. Now, if you take when he was with Kareem Hunt and... Oh, no, you guys. I'm going to barrel through this, but I'm looking at these numbers and they're not as different as I thought they were. (laughs) Shit! (laughs) My point is is falling out from under me. Uh, Basically, my general gist, we're going to ignore all my stats. Fuck stats. They're stupid when they don't work for you.
3: That's right. Stats are just something that people use to uh, back up their
1: already concluded conclusions. Most right. Of the time, exactly. So. so my concluded conclusion is is stat less, and that's how you know it's really good. I just, for me, I'm just, I'm just paranoid about Cream Hunt, and I'm also personally very high on Cream Hunt this year in fantasy. Uh, and so I just, I don't think I would be doing. I think there are backs that I would rather have uh, at at uh, his current price point so if you're looking at you know where is he going he's going you said 27 he's going I would say oh wait sorry excuse me I'm looking at the wrong chart uh next job going 12th RB8 yeah I think I think there's I agree with you Miles Sanders I take I take Austin Eckler I think uh I would take I Josh Jacobs if they're going to involve him in the passing game but that's a question I just I'm I am very Worried about Nick Chubb relying solely on groundwork uh, in order to be a solid fantasy producer, especially if I'm playing in a half point or a full point PPR league where any kind of reception a running back gets just boosts his value even more. So there's my non statistical reason why I'm not touching Nick Chubb this year. <laughs> because that was so many good points that I made that were just, no one could refute them. So he we're just going to. delay, away, Pete. I know. My argument was flawless there. <laughs> Uh, Jordan why don't you actually Jordan you just went so we're going to let you pause for a second Clark you go Clark give us uh, who you're not drafting at all this year in the NFC North
3: I already went through mine with with Joe Mixon Um, there's, there's just other guys that I like more than him in that area it's not that he's bad it's that I expect the Bengals to be fucking terrible because rookie quarterbacks just usually do not play well unless they are I run first quarterbacks and even then the teams are usually not that good uh, too many guys around him, rather. I'm looking at f- four, five, six, six guys behind him that I would all rather have in any format. Tyree Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, Nick Jubb, Julio Jones, Travis Kelsey, Kenyon Drake, Patrick Mahomes. We get down to Josh Jacobs until I want to do Joe Mixon. Uh, I just, I refrained from saying this earlier. Jordan said, oh yeah, Nick, Joe Mixon got going at the end of the year, right? When you needed him. Yeah, right, right after you missed the playoffs because you didn't do anything for the first half of the year <laughs> and you didn't do very well. That was just me being a smartass. But, yeah, Joe Mixon is my guy I'm just passing on this year. Not because he's bad. It's just the Bengals are going to be bad.
1: Jordan, why don't we bounce to you then and give us who you are uh, not drafting this year.
2: Um, My stay away, and I feel like this is pretty consistent the past couple of years now, is uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't know why. Uh, Maybe it's just some weird personal bias. Uh, He's currently going as wide receiver 11, though, and I, I just think he'll finish lower than that. Um, that's partially because I like uh, Deontay Johnson as a better option a little bit later. Um, so it's not going to cost you as much draft capital. And uh, James Washington, I know we've been hearing for whatever reason about him the past couple of years that he's going to finally break out, but I, he was inconsistent, but he still flashed a couple of times. So I think having um, a third option as a wide receiver is uh, problematic to Juju's fantasy value. And, um, And I would probably say the biggest reason and the final reason is because directly behind him are Adam Thielen and Mari Cooper, who I just like better. I a hundred percent agree with
1: that. I do like Juju, but Adam Thielen is very hard to uh, pass on for me this year.
0: Yeah, so I, I I will push back just slightly. Um, the the Steelers this year, I mean, what they have going into this season is an established X receiver in Deontay Johnson. Uh, they did not have that last year, uh, at least to begin the year. Sorry, I got all sorts of construction stuff going on here. Um, but uh, yeah, they didn't it's have that, and they had right. Uh, yeah. And I, my hard hats off. When, when Nick's um, living in a work environment, he has to grow the worksman's look. Right. Um, so they, they not only did they have an established Deontay Johnson, they also had to play the full season with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. Uh, going into this season, uh, sharp football forecasts in this face the softest blend of pass defenses uh, coming in with the second easiest pass defense efficiency. Um, their schedule is cake. I think they have like the the, the easiest, oh, the 70, the easiest overall schedule. Um, and, and Deontay Johnson is. He is very good. Matt Harmon was just on the ETR podcast this week talking about how he's one of the best young rat runners in the NFL. We finally get Juju back into the slot, just like full time after season without that. James Washington is a good downfield receiver. We'll see if he is consistent or not, but they added Chase Claypool to do battle with him at that position. Um, And and not to mention, they brought in Eric Ebron. I I like what they have going in this offense with a fully healthy uh, Ben Roethlisberger. And I'm Although I agree, I like Mari Cooper and Adam Thielen more. uh, I do like Juju smith Schuster as well. Yeah, my only worry with Juju is just Ben Roethlisberger.
1: Because we saw last year, if Ben Roethlisberger goes down, this Steelers offense is just garbage. So you're hoping he stays healthy, which he very well might. But who knows about that arm? Uh, Nick, wrap up the uh, players we're not drafting out of the North.
0: Okay, you got it. So <clears throat> again, sorry, guys, they're building my pool. <laughs> um, okay. So you, you shot me. If you've heard this before, it's Todd Gurley. Uh, recently we have reports out of camp saying that he's AFC seen- North,
1: AFC North, Nick. You're jumping, jumping to the next.
0: Oh box. yeah. I got excited. Um, Peeling back the Indian curtain for our next episode, but uh, for this one, yeah, it's Lamar Jackson, and it's it's not difficult. It's just crazy friggin' high to take a quarterback in the second round. And and Clark, I think you even said that you take him like after the top five backs go or something. And that yeah, um, there, there it, the is no other position where you're outscoring your opponent
3: by seven points a week. The number two quarterback. That's not even like the number fifteen quarterback you're trying to cobble together for a committee. Totally.
0: Yeah. And, and if, and if positional scoring was like a, a difference maker, then, then that would, that would be really important, but it's overall roster scoring. But I do just want to Each say, week. what was the, the Monty Python, no, like, like one, two, no, three, four is right out five. No. Um, anyway. So, <laughs> so yeah, you, you, go watch my five. Nick's, Nick's out. making um, references. Five is right out. Um, it, yeah. It's just, it's way too early to be taken a quarterback. The one allowance I would make is if you were committed to then building a crazy Ravens stack. So you're taking Mark Andrews in the third and Marquise Brown like in the sixth. Like you you just go all in on incredible spiked weeks from the Ravens. And if you're down for that, then okay, I can see taking uh, Lamar Jackson in the second. But otherwise, no, we, we got some baller quarterbacks late in this draft. All right, we are going to have move on. I nothing to
3: do other than yell back and forth <laughs> about the topic, just rehashing <laughs> everything I've said. So that's okay. We agree, we disagree like gentlemen.
1: Uh, we have league winners and late sleepers to talk about. Before we get to those, we are going to take a quick ad break.
2: Get ready for the greatest roast of all
1: time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th.
0: And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: All right, we are back. And it is time to talk potential league winners from the AFC North. Oh, my gosh, I did it. I just landed a league winner. And let us start off with you, Mr. Clark Burns.
3: Yeah, so a league winner is an oldie but a goodie. Everyone tried to bury Mark Ingram last year, and he helped get a lot of people to the playoffs. Uh, all we've had to do is look at the draft and the exciting new rookie running backs that the Ravens have drafted and are once again burying the in- very good at football, Mark Ingram. He's going way too late I had it as like currently ADP of 46, so he's
1: going nearly at the end. He's going of behind Le'Veon come. Bell, which is a crime.
3: Yeah, so I, I know that all we have to do all offseason is get excited about the hot young rookies uh, we saw look really great against the future math teachers and construction foremans of America <laughs> in their college football season. The Mark Ingram is really good, and if you have a dynamic offense like that, why would you risk putting a rookie in so early? Uh, they didn't do it last year. Mark Ingram is still going to be – the bell cow back there, he may seed some work to the young guys who are good, but the Ravens just score a ton of touchdowns, and Mark Ingram is going to be the back that's in there. So he's someone that you can get later in your draft to fill out that running back to flex spot, and he's just going way too late. He'll play for you all year.
0: Yeah, I think I think uh, J.K. Dobbins is worth a late round dart throw uh, because I do think that there's the 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 number two back did see a pretty fair amount of work, especially as they were closing out their blowout wins um, almost on a weekly basis. But uh, yeah, I think um, Mark Ingram has has the lead back role locked down. Yeah, Gus Edwards was viable a few times last year. I had to play him, and so
3: I I agree with you completely. Dobbins is good, and for Dynasty, I would love to get Dobbins on my team. Sure, but. Just Don't think Mark Ingram is dead yet. Talk about making uh, Monty
2: Python references. Yeah. There we go. Clark, I, I agree with that exact phrasing, too. Clark, that everybody's trying to bury Mark Ingram already. And uh, a little, he's what 31 32 now. Maybe I'm overaging him. Uh, the Ravens backfield just got a little bit more crowded, but. He was still the number two running back by DVOA last year and number three by defense-adjusted yards above replacement. So he's still a player that can churn out great production, very efficient, and uh, going, you know, towards the middle of the draft after a couple other players uh, that, you know, should definitely go behind him, uh, that's pretty good value. All right, uh, let's move on. Jordan, why don't you uh, give us your league winner from the North? Um, my league winner, uh, James Conner. Uh, currently, he is RB20, um, and he's honestly one of the only backs in the league that's still considered a workhorse back, and that's just the way it, it's well known. That's the way Mike Tomlin wants it. He wants one running back that can carry the bulk of the running back load. Um, and at RB20 it's a pretty low investment for a running back that's in a contract year um and should get a, a bit of pressure off of him with uh Ben Roethlisberger coming back uh he needs to stay healthy though um which i think has certainly impacted his ADP he doesn't necessarily like you know miss half a season or whatever but he tends to miss you know two games a season which is not what you want um so hopefully he can get himself right uh We already saw the uh, off-season workout pictures. So, you know, uh, the offensive line, again, was pretty terrible last year, but hopefully adding uh, Stefan Wisniewski at guard will help uh, make that gel together a little bit more, and the Steelers offense can start clicking again in the running game.
0: Love me some James Conner this year. Yeah, Clark, do you have anything to add? Because I can can take this one and then take it to, to my pick. Okay, it. cool. All right. So yeah, uh, sealers, their, their obvious schedule is just incredible. They're top two in both uh blender run defenses and opposing rush defense efficiency. Um, we, we've been talking about Connor a long time here. I've got him. I think he's the RB 12 in my top 100. Uh, I think, I think we all made some nice predictions about him in the, uh, the, the bold prediction prediction show. Anyway, um, you're getting a running back one, uh, or at least someone who has a serious access to a potential running back one ceiling. And like, it's the fourth round, I think um, it's absurd value. And uh, again, he's, he, he separates himself from a lot of other bell cow backs. Like I would, I, I take James Conner over Josh Jacobs 10 times out of 10 because of his passing game ability, which is something Jacobs. I don't think he's going to, well, I guess Jacobs he's good in college. I just don't think he's going to work, but that's something we've already debated a bunch. Um, anyway, James Conner, Running back one, love it.
1: Yeah, James Conner. Uh, when he was in 2018, when he came, took over for Le'Veon Bell because Le'Veon Bell set out, like 71 targets, 55 catches. He he can be very productive and involved in the Steelers' pass game. So that's that
0: is an, yeah. another thing going for him if he can stay healthy. Yeah. So from here, should I just roll into yeah, my guy ahead. Deontay Johnson? I, I'm not going to spend very much time. It's he, he's he's terrific young. Outrunner. Have you mentioned um, him before? Yeah uh i just you you can get him in what is it like it's in the the night i'm not looking he's ADP of 109 so he's in like the ninth or tenth round um wide receiver 43 or something crazy it, this is ridiculous this guy's a wide receiver too and he's going after quarterbacks like anyway <laughs> i it's crazy Nick's brain can't comprehend this oh that was literally
1: all you had to say you just wanted to just <laughs> just go crazy over it i like it yeah Go get Deontay Johnson. Uh, My league winner from the AFC North, it's a guy, Marquise Brown, who I was I initially was like kind of going to stay away from him uh, in drafts this year. And then I saw he had seven touchdowns last year. And I was like, oh shit. that's some sneaky production from him that I did not know about. I also just, I think that we're going to see this Ravens passing a game become a little more involved as just Lamar Jackson becomes a more comfortable passer uh, in the NFL. And I just think, I don't think that they're going to be able to rely on the ground game as much. And we saw that against the Titans where in the playoffs when it's like push came to shove, when they needed to get this offense kind of get moving because they were down big, they weren't really necessarily able to do that. So I think we're, we're going to see maybe a more invested effort into really building a passing game that Lamar Jackson can thrive in. Uh, and that is you know not, not contingent on a, on a ground game. And that all centers around, marquise brown who was able to put up pretty solid numbers all while with some sort of broken foot nick you're the internet doctor what
0: did he have wasn't a uh, it was a liz frank that he yeah. like had repaired right before the season which is a very difficult thing to come right. back from at all but to come back from quickly is really impressive
1: and still ran whatever a four two so he's blazing speed can get down the field with ease um and the other thing is is that like He, there's no real outside of Mark Andrews. There's no real other guys in Baltimore to like catch the ball. So I, I I think he could be in line for a huge workload in terms of target share from, from the Ravens. If they do see an uptick in in passing, even a slight uptick in passing. So he's a guy, he is going
2: as the, let me bring him up. Wide receiver 33, 80 overall.
1: Thank you, sir. Jordan on the spot. That is, that is a steal in my opinion. I think Marquise Brown is, uh, like, like how Nick feels about Deontay Johnson has easily a wide receiver two uh, upside and, and could sneak in maybe to wide receiver one, but on maybe not overall, but certainly on some weeks could be a wide receiver one without, without issue. And you're getting him way back there. I I'm loving him and certainly going to target him in most every, all of my drafts.
2: Yeah, I actually, uh, I chose Hollywood as my late round sleeper, even though he's more of a a mid round guy, uh, just because I, a few of you guys already took the late round sleepers that I want to talk about. So just to diversify a little bit. um, But yeah, I think if you're, especially if you're a big believer in the um, second year jump of a wide receiver, um, Hollywood, who really just to improve himself needs to be able to stay on the field. We talked the other week about him uh, putting on weight, uh, which is, you know, just training camp off season, fodder, everybody, you know, looks great in the offseason, but this is a guy who really did need to put on like actual NFL player size um to be a little bit more effective. And um, you know, you just hope that the Ravens offense uh just continues to evolve. I think uh what they've talked about is they want to take more shots down the field. They want to be able to open things up a little bit more with Mark Andrews across the deep middle. Uh Miles Boykin, hopefully he can get a little bit more involved. So I think as just as the passing game starts to come together a little bit more. Um, I think that just getting Hollywood Brown as, you know, wide receiver 33, like the potential, the probable number one wide receiver on a football team is good value.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the Ravens are top two in ease of, of past defenses this year. And, um, we saw last season when, he, when the team believed that he was fully healthy, like week two, 13 targets, week three, nine targets, started to trail off when week four was seven. But once he had a couple of weeks to rest for the playoffs, their first date uh, against the Titans, he had 11 targets. The, the problem is, is, of course, that he is a very slender man. Um, I think that he carries very similar injury risk to Will Fuller, just very different Uh, one has hamstring issues one has crunched by large men issues but the uh, the ceiling is is challenging to find at that point in a draft
1: all right let's since Jordan already gave us his let's roll right into uh, our late sleepers for the AFC North and wrap things up you mustn't wake the late round sleeper And uh, I'll start us off and I'm going to talk John Ross and I did this before the news came out that John Ross has uh, left the Bengals for an undetermined amount of time. His, I think his son has uh, COVID-19 or his child has COVID-19. So obviously uh, hope for a speedy recovery there and hope for a full and healthy recovery. But uh, John Ross is going as the, and I had it up and now it's gone. John Ross is going as the wide receiver, 70, 203 overall. Uh, and obviously we finally last year got a glimpse of what a healthy John Ross can do when he started the season with two back-to-back hundred yard games. Uh, And, and then, you know, he didn't obviously post hundred yard games constantly, but he did see on average seven targets per game while he was on the field, including a 13 target game against Miami back in uh, week 16. And he missed the middle part of the, of the season due to injury. So, There's a lot of question marks I understand about John Ross, but we've seen that blazing speed on display and with Joe Burrow under center, whatever he is better in my book, even as a rookie than Andy Dalton coming in, certainly passing the ball down the field to a speedster like John Ross. So I think that there is value as it's a late round flyer. And if Ross can be, is on the field, can stay healthy, um, there's there's a lot of production that he can certainly do in this offense with with a quarterback who can actually get the ball downfield to him. If nobody's got anything, I can roll
0: into the next one.
1: Clark does have okay. something, but he doesn't want to.
0: <laughs> Go ahead, Nick. No, Clark? Okay, cool. Um, so, John Ross, I think the best thing that he has going for him is that he, uh, he he's competing with somebody in T. Higgins who is going to fail in the NFL. And I know that a lot of folks... <laughs> Really like T Higgins, but what he is, is a a slow mammoth sized receiver who has no ability to jump his vertical jump of 31 inches is like chaotically low. I know there's a big name receiver that we all do love that had that one that had a a 31 inch vertical jump, but his his cone ability and his 10 yard split in his 40 shows that he's able to go in and out of breaks. This is something that T Higgins, T Higgins was a, a man amongst boys in college. Um, so I, I think that, you know, John Ross being, occupying the deep threat role is great. I think that we have to monitor his family situation to know for sure, but I catching deep passes from Joe Burrow sounds like a winner to me. So moving on to mine, Joe Burrow, something that I've not seen very many people talk about is Joe Burrow's rushing ability. His, uh, his raw totals profile very similarly to Russell Wilson towards both of the, uh, their ends of their college career. And Clark, have you. Oh, sorry. Um, anyway, yeah. What I think we have in Joe Burrow is a rushing floor. And I don't think that it's really being recognized. I think that 30 to 40 yards on the ground per game is going to be very doable for him. And that's the exact kind of thing that we want to find at the end of the draft. We look down their their uh, receiving core. We have A.J. Green. Ho- hopefully his hamstring gets healthy. Auden Tate, a great jump ball receiver. T. Higgins, eh, Tyler Boyd, terrific slot receiver. And if, if, uh, if, if Ross is healthy, then they have a, a very competent downfield receiver. Not to mention the guy... I talked about earlier, Joe Mixon, uh, above average receiving back, the number two back on their roster, Giovanni Bernard, who's above average receiving back. You, CJ Uzoma has shown that he can play a role of receiving tight end. Not to mention, there, uh, I, I believe um, Jordan mentioned this earlier on. There should be improved health along the offensive line. And lastly, uh, the the Bengals come in with the eighth softest blend of pass defenses, and eighth uh softest in terms of uh, past defense efficiency and um yeah so i, I and, and they play a litany of good offenses, so getting bad defenses with it with an opposing team an opposing offense that always is, is going to push the pace that's terrific
3: yeah, good luck every every year the number one quarterback <laughs> that gets drafted is going to come in and just revitalize their team and be amazing and good luck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean the, the thing really is really hard they, for they rookies go, to be good in the NFL. They, they can go like 4 and 12 and he can still deliver as like an awesome uh eight game starter as like the final pick in your draft.
2: That is yeah, true. I will say the thing about Joe Burrow is that you can get him as your second quarterback so you can literally just sit him and wait and see what happens uh especially if your other quarterback doesn't pan out. Uh, he's, for for these late round sleepers, I feel like I find myself looking in the back end of the round and be like, ooh, quarterback, ooh, quarterback. Like <laughs> it's just because you can it's a perfect opportunity to take some flyers on some guys and see who pans out and who doesn't. Yeah.
1: Clark, wrap us up. What uh who is your late round sleeper for the AFC North? Finish up our deep dive.
3: Speaking of quarterbacks, and uh, this is an intersection of a lot of guys that we've talked about. So I think all the arguments for the auxiliary pieces in this offense make the argument for Ben Roethlisberger should not be the 14th quarterback being drafted right now. Ben Roethlisberger has been his own offensive coordinator for a couple of years now, and nobody loves Ben Roethlisberger more than Ben Roethlisberger (laughs) loves Ben Roethlisberger. (laughs) So this is going to bode well for all of the wide receivers in Pittsburgh and for James Conner. If Ben Roethlisberger could throw a two yard pass to a back and have him work instead of hand the ball off, no one would love to do that more. So if you uh, don't take my advice and don't jump up there and get Patty Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, Ben Roethlisberger could very easily be the number three or number four quarterback because he's going to call his own number constantly. Uh, Offensive coordinators who did not do what Ben Roethlisberger wanted were not long for this world. And I think that he got his friend and former quarterbacks coach promoted to offensive coordinator. So I expect Ben to bounce back big time this year, along with the other Steelers we've talked about today.
0: Yeah, Incredible. I think this is a terrific
1: pick. All for it, all for it, love it. Yeah. Just also because I wanted, to, I loved how many times Clark said Ben Roethlisberger in the span of three minutes. You know that you've been writing for a little while when you know how to spell Roethlisberger. <laughs> oh yeah, no if you can, if nothing. that just rolls off the t- yeah, if that rolls off the fingers into the keyboard, then yeah, that's that's a good thing. It's a good feeling. I've yet to uh, get Giannis Atento to be able to come off as a first. I've not, I've not been able to do that. Ben Roethlisberger I can get regularly. Tua tango is my next one. All right. Well, there you go. There's the AFC North and a little uh, little deep dive. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to the Fate Teens Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, the whole nine yards. That is where we are and that's not only how you'll get us but also our fantasy baseball and basketball podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. You can follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27 and Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you till- Tomorrow. Until then. Peace.